Hello and welcome to La Pausa Pod. Today on the pod, I'm joined by Jamie as always. Jamie, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. Despite the minus six I awoke to in England this morning, but yeah, all good. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. It's about uh, three or four degrees here in Madrid and that feels cold, so minus six, um, I'm sure it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. But um, today on the pod, we decided to stay away from the Champions League because there's a lot happening in that competition, but nothing concrete yet. So we'll wait for the last round of fixtures so we can dive into that, further into that. Today, we are focusing on Villarreal's first game under Marcelino and a game many thought was the game of the season, a Monday night fixture. Girona welcomed Athletic Club to Montelivi and that ended in a one-all draw. Villarreal beat Osasuna 3-1. And we're going to dive into that. So, Jamie, obviously Villarreal onto their third manager now of the season. And the first impressions, the, the initial sensations are pretty good, you'd say, yeah? Yeah, in terms of result, for sure. And Marcelino said, actually, after the, being there in the ground, he didn't realise quite how important it was to get that first home win. Obviously, you want to win the game, but it felt like... He couldn't believe how much they needed it just for the atmosphere and for their general sense of trying to rescue the situation. But um, yeah, this was a funny game because I watched the first half live and I got to half time and I, I, my main thought was, man, what what a good team Osasuna are. They, they can play in so many ways, always tough to play against, rarely ever give you a bad performance. And then I went away and my phone buzzed three times with a... Morales hat-trick, having seen him not really involved in the play in the first half, and I was just thinking, what on earth has happened there? But yeah, my, my feeling was it wasn't... The result didn't really tell the full story, um, but it's a good start for Marcelino, and they look like a little bit more... They, they look a bit more serious, I think, than they did under Pacheta, having taken over from Setien, so... Yeah, we'll get into the game, but did you think it was a bit of a a harsh result from Osasuna's perspective as well? Yeah, definitely in that first half, anyway, some of the chances that Osasuna created and the pressure that they put Villarreal under. And I I, I think you're you're right about, and Marcelino is obviously right about, this this was so important. And I think that Villarreal are a team who've kind of forgotten how to win um, and... There, there was moments in that first half where they, not, not not to become like armchair psychologists or anything, but just the, the whole demeanour of the team was, was a little bit down and Kapue complaining to the referee and Baena, there was a couple of times where he kind of had to catch, he catches himself in the habit of not chasing back. Whereas you could see the, the kind of wheels turning in his head when he lost the ball and he wanted to just throw his hands up in the air and he had to go. Altamira got caught out once or twice, not chasing back. And I think while while we were really um, positive about their summer and we were excited about what Kike Setien could do with them, obviously that turned out to be a situation that just was it couldn't go on any longer given what we know now and what came out after that with players not happy with training times and just all sorts of stuff. And in Pacheta, it felt always like a, just a temporary solution, whereas at Marcelino, it feels like this is a very, like you said, a very serious manager who who is not here to spend six months now obviously he just did at Marseille but that was a really really bad situation but I think Marcelino's here at Villarreal 
and he's not here to kind of just waste six months and he's going to get them to try and do what he wants them to do and 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 that is a very specific thing now i think against osasuna Oh, sorry, Osasuna were probably the worst opponents for Villarreal to be playing in this because they play that mid-block and they're really hard to build up against. And I think we didn't really get a chance to see what exactly they, they Villarreal want to do um, in, in their own build-up because of how good Osasuna were, how well they closed off the middle, didn't let Danny Parejo get on the ball much, Capoue much. And there was a lot of kind of, gesturing to get it out wide and and trying to solve problems and against Osasuna who were a dynamic team out of possession and, and and really aggressive I think yeah it was it was not a great matchup for Villarreal but they got the win in the end yeah first half they were definitely fortunate to get to half time still level and Osasuna's approach without the ball was was massive in that they they generated five shots after a high turnover in this match, which was the second most in a game this season after Athletic at home to Almeria. And I watched that game and Almeria got absolutely steamrolled. So it was a first half where Villarreal never really felt comfortable building up. Osasuna were very man-to-man, very aggressive. And I, I agreed with what you said about the, there was a lot of gesturing and trying to figure out on the fly how to actually navigate around Osasuna's press. It felt like they kept playing wide out of submission and then just getting trapped on one side. And yeah, Marcelino said after the game, to be fair, that Jorgensen kept them in the match at half time. So you you see the 3-1 result at the end and you think, well, you know, Viral and Marcelino are back and they might well be, but it was... Uh, it was a game where they didn't have everything their own way. And, you know, t- to be fair, Osasuna are a very good team. I know the table doesn't really say it this season and they have they had the Europa Conference League thing where they were qualified and then they were out straight away and that burst their bubble a little bit. But I think their performances week to week are still pretty solid and they look like a top-half team to me. So, um, yeah, sh- should we talk about Marcelino's... Uh, 442 or lack of 442. I don't know what thoughts you had on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we'll 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 jump into that now. And and in possession, it was in possession. It was Villarreal playing with three at the back: Cuenca, Albiol, and Foyt. And then the width was coming from Pedraza at the left back and Alte Mira at right midfield, and Capue and Parejo in in the centre, and then Baena coming in off the left trying to create that uh, that extra man, the centre. Um, and then Morales and Moreno um, ch- changing positions and, and, and switching quite kind of d- dynamic movement be- between them or they're trying to be as dynamic as it could be. Again, Osasuna just wouldn't let them play through there. So they had to go out to the wings. And that's what it looked like. Who, who were you most impressed with in, in possession for, for, for Villarreal? Um, I would say, uh, I think it took a long time for them to get comfortable yeah, in the match. <laughs> yeah, I think until they got the goal, um, which was a nice bit of play, one of the first you know, positive bits of attacking play that they had all match. Yeah, I think until that point, nobody really felt um, assertive 
and it didn't feel like Marcelino's Villarreal uh, per se. Obviously, we don't know exactly what that will look like yet. We need to see more of it. But yeah, it didn't feel like they were really in charge of the play up until that point. Um, but from there, I think a positive, what you did see from there is we know that Marcelino, we always think of him as 4-4-2 man, fast in transition, really good on counters. When they did get 1-0 up, we saw the best of them uh, in, in a stereotypical Marcelino sense of Morales doing lots of damage on the counter with space to work in. And the likes of Perejo and Baena, just to mention, um, who was impressed with in possession, I think those two, from Marcelino's counter-attacking style, maybe when they can get an advantage and, and play that way, I think Perejo and Baena are two really good players for finding those first passes in a counter-attack where you really kind of lay the table for a, a strong attack. And we saw Bayern laid on two really nice passes for the goals in this match. I think that Marcelino was really conscious about Moy Gomez and Johan Mojica on the left-hand side. So he played obviously one fight and, and Altimira on that, that side. And they pretty much locked them down. Mojica had plenty of work to do going backwards fight was solid as always but it was on that left hand side where they suffered with Baena kind of cutting inside and Areso and Ruben Peña there was there was a one stage in this in the first half where Pedraza was just shaking his head he was like I can't I can't keep defending against this because Baena obviously isn't defensively as diligent as maybe someone like Altimeda or 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 a, or a typical defensive right left midfielder. So he was having to constantly pick up the slack there because the other option then was Parejo, who physically can't do it. So, like, and that I know that's out of possession, but that's that's where they suffered then in possession too because they were they, they didn't go long. Obviously, that was the kind of the big one for for Marcelino in his first game. He didn't play a traditional number nine target man that they they couldn't go over the press so they had to try to work their way around it and i think that that's where that's why the more i think about this and the more we talk about it they really were lucky in the first half because they really didn't do much you said there earlier morales the game passed him by in the first half he ended up with a hat trick (laughs) and 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 the game really did pass him by jared moreno wasn't really heavily involved parejo didn't have his normal influence on the game Kapue was, they were sitting in the double pivot, and Kapue I thought did well, but not particularly in the first half. So, a, a really strange game and one that Villarreal typically would lose. And and I think Marcelino was right that that Jorgensen kept him, kept them in the game and in that first half. Just so we'll talk about out of possession because that's actually where they spent maybe most of their time, where that was where we could see most of the clues that. The, the Marcelino clues, the Marcelino clues, like it was a clear four four two without the ball, um, yeah, as we said, Altimir and Foyt on the right hand side, and then Pedra, Pedraza and Baena on the left hand side, and Capoue, Parejo's double pivot, and then the two lads up front. So, yeah, they weren't trying to recover the ball too much in the final third either, and they they struggled. Yeah, my my takeaway from this is that Osasuna are really good. They are really good. I think I don't really know where to go from there other than out of possession. I think that Villarreal worked harder than they probably have 
in, in a very long time. And this is what it's going to look like now under Marcelino, especially when they go a goal up. Yeah, it's um, like I said, up until they scored the goal, I, I didn't feel Virial were in, in charge of much. I think after the goal, they were good and you, there was a recognisable Marcelino team there. But you know, it, maybe it's, you know, we, we've spoke about Setien and Pachetta, particularly in Pachetta's case. When you've got these, you know, limited periods with managers, there's only what you know how, how many games were he in charge? Like I can't remember now, somewhere between seven and ten, I think it was in in the league. When you're working with such small sample sizes, that there are just you know factors in games that are uncontrollable for managers, but sometimes they go your way and get into half time still level after a pretty poor first half. It's probably something Pachetta never really had, his keeper keeping him in it. I remember in the season we, we spoke about Jorgensen and he was the, the keeper with the worst um, worst figure for goals prevented in the league based on quality of shots on target first and then Marcelino comes in, he gets a half where his keeper keeps him in it and for the first goal they, they finally managed to build from the back with I think for the goal, Bayena dropped in a bit more than he had um, prior to that. So it was a case of they weren't fully in the structure of what they'd set out to do, but Bayena was thinking, I'm just going to drop deep and get a touch on the ball. Uh, and his influence kind of scrambled Osasuna's organisation a bit that had been so good up until that point. They managed to play out. They progressed up the pitch into the opposition half. And then Bayena is the guy coming off the left, links superbly with Gerard Moreno and they have the first goal and then for once Virial get to play with you know the advantage on the scoreboard and in um basically in the the place where Marcelino wants to play where they can sit deep and be a bit more compact not give up too many chances and then they have the place to put those passes together and get out on the break mm-hmm. and do damage and that's exactly what Morales did I think we should probably mention Morales specifically because his second half goal, especially that was that was pretty special. Oh my god, the the touch that that touch! I could have watched that all day. It was just beautiful, <laughs> and how he took it down. And he's not a young man; he's in his thirties now, mid thirties. And he 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 took off, and he still has that burst of speed. So he is the kind of player who 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 could really excel under under Marcelino because it felt like he didn't really settle under any of the previous managers at Villarreal obviously after spending so much time at Levante we weren't ever sure if we'd see him taking that step up but we knew he had the quality and he showed showed the other day that that, that he, he does have it and I think that um, Arasate will be will be kicking himself for conceding that first goal because they had the game pretty pretty much where they wanted it to be but once once the, the state of the game changes, obviously everything changes. And then Moncoyola, who was stepping up from midfield to sit on um, one of the midfielders, and Aymar Ross was working really hard along with Budimir to stop them from building up. He had to take Moncoyola off because then it was on Osasuna to try to force something because Villarreal were happy just... Uh, playing playing around they didn't the onus wasn't on them to go and do something so i think that and that's exactly what happened 
in, in terms of why the game opened up, Moncayola went off, the whole middle started to open up a little bit, the game started to get a little bit more free-flowing for Villarreal to, to, to hit them on the break, and, and, and yeah, that's when Morales was able to hurt them. Now, like you said, Pacheta never really got that. Um, no, he wasn't trying to play that style of football, but it felt like he didn't get the breaks that Villarreal got in the first half because they did get quite a few, a couple of good saves from Jorgensen, a couple of misses from Osasuna. And yeah, it's just a, a, a strange game, but the kind of game that Villarreal need, need to win because they do have the talent to, and they just weren't able to pull those games out of fire in, in recent weeks and months. Yeah, you see the talent for the first goal that is, you know, it, it's all from Baena Moreno combining together and producing quality in attack that actually managed to get beyond Osasuna's defence and create a goal because creating chances against Osasuna is, is always really difficult. Um, but yeah, if, if we're looking towards, you know, players who should be the big winners under Marcelino, obviously, El Comandante is made a pretty compelling case for the first one. Uh, and I think we all probably thought Morales would be a guy for Marcelino, especially when the game state changes, like you said, and they have a lead. Morales is is so dangerous. When you give him space, you know, 50 metres to work in, he can basically run counter-attacks on his own. And with Bayena, you've got one of the best guys in La Liga for, for through balls. Uh, I think last season he was right up there at the top. Parejo is obviously a guy that can find him uh, with space to work in. So Morales is, um, I don't know how great a news it is, if, if that's a phrase, how great news it is that um, that Morales is now probably, you know, the, the guy under Marcelino. Obviously, Gerard Moreno is the best player, but Morales is probably the guy who stands to benefit most with Marcelino in the door and you know it wasn't long ago that it, this team had Samuel Chukweze, Nicholas Jackson uh, obviously we saw a lot doesn't play in this we'll see what he looks like when he comes back but Morales is Morales has got all the attributes that Marcelino wants specifically in the way he wants his team to play uh, attacking quickly running counters doing damage with with attacks that don't need you know long elaborate build-ups so he had the fewest touches for any player who who started the game for Villarreal. He only touched the ball 24 times. And I think that was because of that first half. I, I was looking going, this isn't working here. They're going to have to make a change. Now, Marcelino didn't make the change and he said, I'm going to wait this out. And he did. And like I said, the, the state of the game changed. It was Arasate who, who, who was forced to make the change. And then all of a sudden... Marcelino could then bring on players like Santi Comisania. And as soon as the space did start to open up around the middle, he brought on Manu Trigueros, who, who was able to interpret that space in the as an interior quite well. He brought on more speed on the wings. And it was so it's it just, I mean, I guess my point here is the importance of going 1-0 up, which I'm sure anyone listening here knows it's important to take a lead. But at the same time, especially when you're, when you want to play a specific way and Marcelino, they, they did manage to do that. And also Suna just had to completely change their game plan then because then they put Budimir and Raul Garcia up top. And it was just, that was taking one man out of the middle, 
one and yeah, it was it just again like I, I repeat myself now, but it's I, I think that taking the lead was was just the most important thing here and the they play Sevilla now next. Well, they they actually play Panathinaikos in the Europa League, but the, in in La Liga they play um, Sevilla at the Ramon Sanchez Pizjuan. So and and, and the reason why, which will segue on to the next game now, the reason why I'm thinking about substitutes and and the importance of game state is because of the Girona versus Athletic Club game, which a lot of people are saying was the game of the season. Just incredible. The highest ball and play percentage for a game between two top half sides in La Liga this season. 60%, 65% of the of the the ball was in play for 65% of match time, 63 minutes. And two teams who really tried and I would say succeeded to do what they wanted to do in the game without the other one truly suffering. And just it was a it was a real masterclass in in two managers with personality and who, who know what they want and who weren't willing to, to succumb to the situation and just buckle and say, no, let's just sit back or let's just whatever. And I think that probably one all is a fair result. And although I think there were chances for both sides to win it as well. And um, yeah, there were, there were moments of superiority for both teams. Um, yeah, what 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 was your what were your thoughts on the Athletic Girona game? I thought it was, if if not the best game of the season, certainly up there. I think it was the game that probably gripped me the most. I remember when I was watching it, I was just, I just felt so, um, I would say, like just just gripped by the action because it was, it was just such a good game with both teams generating what they wanted out of the contrasting ways that they were playing. So obviously Girona had the ball. Athletic came and, and set up to be disruptive against it and to, to make sure that they weren't comfortable in the match. And it's a game where you leave and you think you think better about both teams despite neither of them have, having won the match. Or, you know, to both teams, in Girona's case, given their situation and the fact they've been a winning machine, you probably look at it and think drop points. But... You know, to watch the game and to listen to Michel after, he, he seemed pretty happy with the point, knowing that they'd just played against a very good athletic team and Valverde got his set up right and the attitude from his players was, was spot on. So, yeah, it's just a game you leave and you you just think you just watch two very good teams. And I think Athletic Club have probably been underrated this season. They do kind of tend to fly under the radar because they don't make many signings. They... It's pretty much much of a muchness from one season to the next with them. Obviously, they've signed players like Ruiz, the the Galareta, who you're a huge fan of and who who played really well in this game. Sunset has really took a step forward. Nico Williams, excellent. Iñaki has improved again, and I think under Valverde, a little bit like maybe when he was at Barcelona, underrated because people, I I don't know, he just doesn't have the kind of charisma maybe, or he doesn't really make too many headlines, but. They have been underrated, I think, and this is you're you're coming away looking at this, and yeah. So, Corona this season have thirty. Let me see here. They've got thirty five points from fourteen games, so they are currently on pace to win ninety five points, which is the same as Real Madrid. 
Now, that's not going to happen. But even if that drops off, Real Sociedad, who, who you would imagine, or maybe Athletic Club, who are the most obvious contenders for that fourth spot with Girona, they're on pace for maybe 67, 70 points. So even if Girona's pace drops off and they do draw games like this against a really good Athletic Club side where they looked every bit as good as their opponent and didn't look out of place at all, I think there are going to be more draws. There are going to be a couple of more losses than that. I found it interesting that Michelle said after the game, he said, without a doubt, Athletic were the best team that we have played here at Montelivi this season. Was that a dig at Real Madrid or? <laughs> uh, I think he meant, obviously he said they were the, they were the best team. I think he'd probably, he probably thought they were the most uncomfortable team. It was probably a, a better word to use because Real Madrid didn't bother them in in their build-up phase at all, really. Michel said after this game that they basically tried a thousand different ways to construct attacks against Athletic because they've just got such they're just such a physical team. Every single player is a is an athlete. They were all dialed into the press. You know, Williams brothers, Sanset, Guruseta, the midfielders were really good. So you just have to be spot on against Athletic and have all the variations that the Girona do, just the kind of get that initial footing in the match. Um, but yeah, it's um, Athletic set up with... They didn't come out and really hunt the ball. They kind of sat off and waited for the first pass and the first sign of you know a, a trigger to go. And then when they did, they were they were really disruptive. And just a stat to use uh, to highlight that, they, were, they recovered the ball in the final third nine times in this match, which was... The most of any visit inside at Montelivi this season, and and one of the highest marks by an away team in a match this season. The most was ten. So, Athletic disrupted uh, Girona in a way that that nobody else has really got close to doing at Montelivi this season. And we know that for, for Michel, the build up is is if if not everything, it, it's an absolutely massive part of what he wants to do. So. If the build-up is not flowing, then Girona don't play in the way that, that we're used to seeing. You mentioned there about physicality, and I think that that's, that, that, that was, that's my whole build-up here. That's why I was talking about the game state and Villarreal, the different things like that. And I, and I was just talking about... So, th- th- yeah, their physicality is just incredible. And I think what... When Girona took the lead, typically that, was when, that would be when Athletic Bilbao would make a change. But Girona were already warming up players by by the time that they scored. So it was it was like Michel was saying, my, my team is exhausted here. But Ernesto Valverde was saying, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I like the way that this match is balanced. I really like the way that we're stopping their build-up. I really like how you said dialed in they are. Sunset, incredible. The Williams brothers tucking in just spot on so it's four five one the middle just completely closed off and then Guruseta working really hard horizontally and it was and there was some cracks starting to appear before before they they scored their equalizer but they just held on and Valverde just held his nerve and he made the change in the 74th minute which was Raul Garcia for Guruseta and it was kind of like for like in that uh, a big man to work uh, to work really hard up front which is what Raul Garcia did he also became a target man and and it, 
So 74 minutes is the latest sub that they've made all season. And I think that in terms of Girona, their excellence comes from their technical ability. And that's not to say that they're not physical, but it's not their main, their their best trait as a team. They've got a couple of guys who are just excellent. Yankel Carrera, who I just love watching play, and he's, he had 20 duels in this game. And in La Liga, he's got the second most duels behind only Chris Ramos. And he's winning 52% of, of those duels, which is right there, right at the top of, of, of players with at least 100 duels with players like Mikel Marino. I think this is why this game suited Yangel Carrera because it was a battle in the trenches. It was a battle in that midfield. And I just think that that's something that not many teams can do. They can sit and wait for 74 minutes before they... And, and match Girona, chasing the ball, chasing them, trying to just slow them down mm-hmm. without having to make a change, without completely sacrificing the attacking aspect of your game or without suffering from fatigue and having to make a change. So, yeah, I think the, one of the big things here in this game was Athletic Bilbao, their physicality is just off the charts. Yeah, and I, I was just thinking from... Uh, in in the case of somebody like Nico Williams as well, we always talk about what he can do with the ball, his, his 1v1 threat. But if you're one of those teams around Europe who are kind of waiting in the shadows with, with 50, 60 million in your pocket... And you're looking for a, for a winger. We all know what Nico Williams can do with the ball, and he did it in this match. Um, just just generating so much danger off the dribble. But you see what he did without the ball, uh, and the way that he can be a real weapon as uh, somebody to apply pressure and to to be part of a disciplined game plan against one of the best build up teams in Europe. Once you take that box, then you know that's when teams who are looking at a player like Nico Williams think right, you know. We've, you know, we we're, we're covering for things that might be um, you might be lacking in other talented players like like him. So, um, yeah, it's just it was one of those games as well where both teams executed well with what they wanted to do, and even even when the mistakes happened, you didn't feel like it was a mistake per se by the opposition team. It was you looked at the opposition and thought. You know how, how well have they done there? You know, it, it, even Girona's goal, um, it comes from such precise play on the left side with Miguel Gutierrez and Savio linking up, and there's just really not, there wasn't really much margin for error uh, for, for the opposition team. It was just you know you just took your hat off to to the positive moments that both teams generated. Um, but yeah, I guess just to bring it to a kind of a close is seeing the match and the fact it finished one, one, it was obviously a great game. We're still kind of talking about Girona as a champions league team, but we're not closing the door on the title yet. I think we we'll see how they look by next year, but just from watching the match, does it, does it change how you felt about Girona in particular? No, not at all. And like I was saying earlier, like they're on pace to, to win 95 points. And that's obviously not going to happen. I mean, I, I think we do tend to kind of get carried away with ourselves. And then when when, when the fall off does happen, we're all, we, we kind of, oh, yeah, like that was obvious. But we weren't saying that at the time. And I think I've suffered from this under Iriola with Rio. And I was like, people saying, oh, they're going to make it into Europe. And I'm like, just just that, no. And, and I, I probably sounded like a manager in a press conference a lot of the time. I was like, no, this team is 
just trying to avoid relegation. Forget about Europe. If, if it happens, a bonus, but forget about that. Now, I think Girona need to seriously start thinking about Champions League football, and, and, and that's a very, very strong likelihood. But, but in reality, you just look at Barcelona, who aren't playing well, but still picking up wins. Real Madrid, who have their flaws, they're not infallible, and they're, they're still right neck and neck with, with Girona on 35 points, and their, their start to the season has been a bit so-so. And then you look at Atletico, who, who probably look like the best team in the league at the moment, maybe between them and Real Madrid and your own, obviously. And you're just looking going, all three of these teams are going to have to slip a good few times. So I think league title talk, forget about it. But Champions League, absolutely. I think that's without a doubt is still on the cards there. Um, what about you? Yeah, it didn't change how I felt really about Girona. It sounds weird because they play at home and we kind of expect them to win at home all the time now. But I was almost... I almost feel better about Girona, having watched them draw this match. They took the lead as well and conceded an equaliser. But I just feel like Athletic are a unique opponent to face up against Girona and they have tools that other opponents in La Liga just don't have. There's nobody that can... Yeah, I I, I just checked myself there. I was just thinking, is there anyone? But yeah, I don't think there is anybody that can present the off-ball plan that they did against Girona and combine it with the the, the physicality and, and and the speed and just the, you know, the connectedness to, to really disrupt them. I just don't see anybody that can do that to Girona, especially at Montalivi. So, Michel made a big thing about, you know, how Athletic were the best team that had been there all season and how they were, their pressing from the front was just, was just incredible, I think was the word he used. So, Girona survived in this match. They still created big chances. They still showed that they can can navigate through a really challenging opponent. So, yeah, I think looking towards the future, Girona should should still feel pretty good. Uh, we should say to about Athletic as well that you know we sh- we should give them credit and they they seem to be building nicely under under Valverde. I think the pieces are coming together in the team. Obviously, Inigo Ruiz de Galareta, player I talk about all the time, he's he's a massive signing for them. So, just two very good teams. That's that's what I just wanted to talk about here. I love what I was talking about Valverde and what he's done. Just subtle tweaks. So, Guruseta, for example, only started 17 games last season. He's already started 13 games this season, and we're not even halfway through. So, he's on pace maybe to start 26, 30, 28, 30 games this season. And... They've, they've just gotten rid of the idea of playing, of messing around with that number nine position, playing Iñaki there, Sanset, um, Munyain. They've just put Guru Seta there, accepting that he's not going to be an Erling Haaland or a Dobbik or anyone like that. But he's going to work really, really hard. And in the past, that was a, they couldn't really do that because they didn't have the supply going from the midfield. So they, they had to take advantage of every single last chance and they couldn't sacrifice a, a, a player like Guruseta. Whereas now they've got Galareta there and it lo- it feels like there's way more happening around the midfield in terms of from, you know, from a creative standpoint. You've got the two Williams brothers on the left and the right who feel that feels like their natural positions because Iñaki at nine just never convinced he, he was 
he was playing in a position where you're judged on goals and he just he's never going to be that kind of goal scorer so you have to play him on out wide where he can change a game without necessarily scoring and and that's what I mean when I talk about Valverde being underrated and you're looking for the things that he does and you're like, well, I'm not really... And then you, you think about it and you're like, he's made these subtle changes and all of a sudden Athletic, like we saw on Monday night, they're just a really, really, really good team. Yep, yep. And uh, I think they... I think this is probably their best midfield. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to put a specific day or season on it, but I think this is the best midfield they've had for a long time. And Sunset is going to get better all the time. Ruiz de Galareta has come in and made a, a, a huge impact from moment one. Vesga is not always, um, not, you know, he's not always a, a seven out of ten, but he, he he's got good uh, passing ability. We saw that chance he laid on in the first half where Guruseta was in the box and kind of fluffed his lines. He, he's a good forward passer. So we talk about. The Williams brothers being dangerous and in, Inyaki being in his best form of his probably his athletic career at the moment, at least in terms of goal scoring. You have to look at the the way that Athletic have changed those those kind of lanes of service from the midfield. There's just better passes arriving. There's more diverse passes arriving to those players. So Athletic can be can be positive about pushing for pushing for Europe because Real Sociedad have Champions League and somebody asked me um, Valverde after, you know, how's the team going to recover for the next game? And he said, look, this this team wants to play in Europe where we've got to play every three days. What we're managing now is absolutely fine. So that's that's going to be a big factor in, in how far they can go this season, I think. Absolutely, yeah. And just finally to finish off then, I was thinking the the analyst fifty we wrote at the start of the season. We we wrote about fifty players to keep an eye on. I was wondering who you wrote about, and I just looked it up because I thought it was going to be either Arnau, who you're a big fan of, <laughs> Alex Garcia, who you're a big fan of, and you just written about him, or but it wasn't. It was actually Alex Baena. I wrote about Sunset, and it was it was. He, I just wanted to talk about him for a second. That matchup between him and Miguel Gutierrez, who. Miguel Gutierrez looks like the kind of player who can who in these big matches because I remember against Real Real Madrid it was the same they didn't really know how to deal with him they didn't know whether it was Rudiger to come out to pick him up Valverde struggled at times knowing how far to drop back because Gutierrez was just picking up all sorts of weird positions as an interior he's playing as a left back he's playing on the wing he was dropping back to play as a traditional left back and I think that that was probably the key to this game in that Sunset sacrificed himself completely playing in that 4-5-1. Four, four, and he shut down Gutierrez. And it's no coincidence that in a moment of chaos, Girona got the ball out to the left. Gutierrez found himself in space and himself and Savio linked up well. And Sunset and Iñaki were found themselves chasing the ball, which is exactly what Girona were trying to manage couldn't and what Bilbao did so well to stop them doing and that's where the goal came from and I just think Gutierrez a player who we don't talk about really enough at all I think I thought he was and Ernesto Valverde basically said it with his game plan he said if we need to stop this interior him from doing business 
between the lines and we're going to sacrifice Sunset in order to do that. And that's a large part as to why Girona struggled at times to break down Athletic Club. Yeah, Michel said after that Valverde, or he told Valverde at halftime, I think he said that they were the team that had also handled Gutierrez better than anybody else in, in terms of keeping track of his positioning. Like he said, Sunset was was definitely the one to shadow him and he did a really good job. Obviously, as with every Girona play, you're not going to shut every player down in this match for 90 minutes. It's just impossible with the variety of movement. Um, but yeah, it's um, Gutierrez is <laughs> their goal. Athletic's equaliser comes from Gutierrez getting into the box and trying to get on the end of a chance and then they attack and eventually get through in that left-back area. But yeah, it's um, Gutierrez is just a, a fascinating player to watch and he almost feels like the the ultimate positionless player in, in Spanish football at the moment. And um, yeah, there was one thing, other thing I was going to say now is completely, I've completely lost. Um, but oh, yeah, it was, um, sorry, I was just going to say um, in the first, in the first half, like, Obviously, he takes up his central positions uh, and teams know how to prepare for that. Sunset followed him. But it was just funny to see, like, the the kind of the curveball that Girona threw was, was Gutierrez basically just standing in the left back spot. And they were like, that that was the way they opened up space by playing his left back at left back, or, or not playing him there, but him moving into a left back area was like the way that they accessed the majority of the space so it's just it just speaks to Girona's flexibility and and the variety of movement the curveball wasn't a curveball at all it was playing a left back as a left back just completely mind-blowing stuff but uh yeah I, I get that and and just on the point about Girona to, to finally finish up I promise um on the point about Girona being competitive this was a game where Dobbic was injured and Stuani played, and I was just thinking about Stuani earlier. What a legend. He stuck with Girona when they were in the second division, and now all of a sudden they're sitting at the top of the league and he's playing minutes. He's probably, I mean, they're going to have to put a statue of Stuani outside the ground um, in, 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 in years to come, just a, a club legend. But obviously has fallen off a bit, and the fall off from him to Dobbic, I think, is, is quite significant, especially in a game like this that is so physical against the likes of Paredes and 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 athletic clubs defenders so they, there, there was that and I, I just think that there are going to be games where certain players aren't available and if you're able to be competitive as you can possibly be while playing with uh, absences then um yeah it's, it, it really bodes well for Girona's chances this season and then just Pablo Torre coming on. I thought he played really well. I thought he had some really nice moments. And he'll, as the season goes on and progresses, he'll probably grow into this and, and start to gain a few more minutes. And I think that he really gets what Michel is trying to do. You could see him kind of directing things when he come on, even though he's young and a lone player. He knew what, exactly what was needed at certain times. But yeah, I think really interesting game. We could probably go on further if we wanted to, but we're, we're not going to... We're not going to hang around here much longer. So, Jamie, are you working on anything at the moment for the analyst? Um, no, I'm being lazy at the moment. I'm just, yeah, I'm just trying to think of uh, what the next topic is uh, to go at. Obviously, I did did the Alish Garcia deep dive, um, and yeah, I, I thought he was pretty good in the game against uh, Athletic as well. So, some of the passes is ridiculous. 
Um, but yeah, I, I will. I will figure out who to target next in, in coming weeks. I think. I I wrote a La Liga MVPs piece, which I'm which is going to be published this week at some stage, and Jamie did help me with that, so you weren't being completely lazy. <laughs> and yeah, so we, we picked an MVP for each La Liga team so far this season. Some were really obvious, others really close, and others it was a bit of a struggle. I'll be honest, but yeah keep an eye out for that on the analyst but from us here at La Pausa Pod this week it's adios